0: Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. Everything we do comes out of something deep within. It rules our thoughts, our actions, and every feeling. What if we could be more aware of why we are the way we are? What if we could understand why we respond the way we do? What if we could change all of that? Join us for this week's message in our series on The Heart. prayer and fasting next sunday you've been hearing stories that hopefully are getting you excited and inspired for that so uh next week we'll be we begin that and it's just good to see god move and uh it's just amazing to watch even in that story how people are willing to set aside something like food or their phone for the sake of other people that's crazy i think that's what jesus had in mind when he said i'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Imagine a force of people on the earth that are willing to seek God for the sake of others. That's cool. So, all right. Hey, we are in a series uh, that we began last week. So if you're new to Grace Life, so glad to have you guys here. Glad you're with us. And uh, we're actually on part two. So if you need part one or anybody who was absent last week, you can go back and catch that online. Uh, this series is about The heart. And so when we say the word heart, I'm just going to make sure we're all on the same page. We're not talking about that little uh, cute shape on the screen behind my head, that you know that little thing where every February you get a box shaped like this with chocolate inside of it. Not that at all. Uh, we're also not talking about that thing that pumps blood because I'm not a cardiologist and this is not a physical fitness series, okay? And, and so then you would think, well, the only thing left is we're going to talk about emotions and feelings and that kind of stuff. And some of the guys are already checking out. I don't want to talk about my feelings, man. Don't do that. Okay, well, feelings are involved, but it is way more than that. You see, when the Bible talks about our heart, it's actually talking about what we think and what we want and what we feel. It's talking about the very thing that drives us. And so most often in the Bible, when you see the word heart, you can, you can replace it with the word soul because that's really what it means. When we talk about our souls, we're talking about our mind, our will, our emotions, what we think, what we feel, and what we want. And since this drives us, This is important. If this drives us, then it's going to determine everything we do, every reaction, every decision, every desire that we pursue, every thought, every feeling is going to come out of it. And so when I uh, was in college, I had a pastor that was mentoring me and he showed me a verse about the heart and said, memorize this, because especially those of you that are the younger you are, man, I'm telling you, especially single people, just raise your hand, single people, come on. I'm looking at single people that are not raising their hands what is this I'm not participating with the pastor today it's just my bad attitude day check your heart all right anyway if you are single man this is a great passage I'm going to share one verse with you I had to memorize it over 20 years ago because I was single and my mentor shared with me I'm gonna put it on the screen right here above all else guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. It's our theme verse for the series. We don't usually have a theme verse, but this series, we need one. Because if you don't get anything else in this entire series, but you walk away with this thing stuck in your head, your life will be better off and you will be better for it. Above all else, guard your heart, right? Especially younger and single, there's just way more damage that can be done there. Above all else, guard your heart. Everybody say this with me. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. My goal is to do to you what my pastor did to me. I want this stuck in your head. And uh, then you can blame me for the earworm, but at least it'll be a Bible verse and that'll be like a good earworm. Okay. Above all else, above all else, guard your heart. You know why? Because if it's that important, the enemy wants it. You ever thought about that? If everything we do comes out of it, the enemy wants it, and he is just waiting for an opportunity. If you missed last week, we kicked off the series with the idea of having a clean heart and, and a pure heart so that we can pursue God and have the most of, of what he wants for us. That's online if you missed it, but I'm only going to touch on what we chose to do as a church together in our response to that message so that if you miss this, you know where we're headed for the year. God makes a promise to us in his Bible that if we will put ourselves in front of his word, that his word will discern what's going on in our hearts and reveal that to us so that we can find out what needs to change. That's his promise. And so we decided as a church, our response for this year, great way to kick off the year, was we're going to put ourselves in front of God's word as much as possible. Preferably every day. No one's perfect. You might miss a day. So get a, a Bible reading plan. You can either get them online or on apps on your phone, or we've got a, a paper version in the lobby you can pick up. But then we said we're going to add to that an invitation. If you were here, we read a passage where where David was saying, create in me a clean heart, God. It's an invitation. So what we're going to do every day this year, as many times as we can, we're going to sit down. We're going to put our hearts in front of God's word. But before we start reading, we're going to give God an invitation. God created me a clean heart. And let your word do what it needs to do in my heart. So that's, that's where we are. That's what we're doing together uh, with a clean heart. Today, we want to talk about the idea of a wounded heart. This is important. I want everybody to do it. Do y'all trust me? Okay, I got like three. <laughs> that's really sad. Except for guest. guest. I don't expect you to trust me. You don't even know me. But if you'll just play along, that would be great. The rest of you, I expected a better. Let's try. Do y'all trust me? Yeah. All right, then do this before I tell you what we're going to do. Raise your hand and repeat after me. Jimmy is, Jimmy is talking to me. Good. You see, although this entire series is something for every single one of us, and you need to always know I, this is, this is going to change your life, today's message more than any other, I am not talking to the person beside you. Today's message more than any other, this is not for your spouse. This is for you. Because we're talking about wounded hearts, and we all have them. I remember the earliest point in my, well, it would make sense that the earliest memory I have is what I'm going to refer to as the earliest point that my heart was broken. But anyway, I I remember the earliest memory that I felt a wounded heart. I I think I was about five years old, give or take a year. I might have been four. I don't think I was much older just because of of everything involved in the memory. But my dad came home one day with a toy, and my dad didn't do that kind of thing. My dad was a blue-collar worker and had a very dirty job. And because he was always dirty, he would come home and, and have to change clothes or take a shower before he was even allowed to sit on the couch. And his truck had to have like those vinyl-type seats, which was fine back in the 70s. Yes, that's, that's where I come from. And because that's, just, that's what kept it clean. He was a very dirty person because of his job. So he never stopped by the grocery store. He never stopped by Kmart because that's before Walmart, right? <laughs> Anybody with me? He didn't do that. And so I guess somebody at work was like selling or fundraising or something. Anyway, he came home with a little truck, and it was a little dump truck that would scoop up things. And so you could put out these little yellow styrofoam blocks, and if you pushed the little truck along, it would, it would scoop them up. And I remember I was just literally blown away because my dad didn't do this kind of stuff. He, he, he was a very routine, normal person and buying toys for his kids. Well, that just wasn't the generation he came from. That, that didn't work. And so I was so touched by this and so like, oh, my gosh, that the next day I'm looking out the window and just waiting and waiting and waiting for my dad to come home. I just wanted to show him how much I I love the toy. And so what I did is I'm looking out the window and he finally is driving down the driveway. I I, I get the truck and I put the blocks all the way down the hallway. And his bedroom door and my bedroom door are like side by side, so I I know instead of playing in my bedroom, if I play in the hallway right outside of my door, is he goes to his bedroom to put his stuff down and to get on clean clothes. He's going to have to come by. And I was ready. I mean, I put the blocks out, and I got the truck, and I froze. And I'm just waiting on my dad to walk down the hall. And as soon as he turns the corner and starts coming down the hall, I start picking up the little blocks. And I'm kind of looking at my dad. And I'm waiting on him to smile. I'm waiting on him to acknowledge that I enjoy the toy that he bought. I'm waiting on anything. And he walks down the hall stone-faced. He doesn't acknowledge me. He literally steps over me and goes into his bedroom. And my heart was crushed. I don't know why. I don't know why it was such a big deal. All I know is my heart was broken at that point. And I don't know if, if he smiled and sighed, and I don't know if it, it touched him. I, I don't know anything, because I don't know what's going on in his head. But what I know is somehow I wanted a response from my dad that wasn't what I got. It's called a wounded heart. Now, I know if I said today we're going to talk about wounded hearts, there are some of you that are like, no, I'm good, man. I don't have that problem. Especially because we're, we're, we're near a military base right here. We've got a lot of soldiers. And, and you are taught to compartmentalize. You're taught to take that feeling, put that away because you've got to keep moving forward. And so I talk to people a lot. They're like, no, I'm good. No, my heart's not broken. My heart's not wounded. I, I'm good. We all have wounded hearts. We all have wounded hearts, and we all need healed hearts. I'm just going to read through a little list to see if I can get you all on board with this because it doesn't do any good to talk about it until you recognize you need this. You see, you have a wounded heart if your parents ever said or did anything at any point in time that hurt your heart. You have a wounded heart if your spouse ever said or did anything that hurt your heart. You have a wounded heart if you ever had a boyfriend or girlfriend. Come on. That's automatic. You have a wounded heart if you know what it feels like to have a friend. Turns out not to be a friend. You have a wounded heart if you've ever felt like God let you down. You have a wounded heart if you have ever watched a good person do something bad and that shocked you, which hurt your heart. You have a wounded heart if you've just watched the news and you've seen injustice in governments for a struggle of power or a piece of dirt hurt innocent Children, you have a wounded heart. You have a wounded heart if you simply were raised in a broken world, and we all were. You see, here's the way it works. If you are breathing and you are on planet Earth, you have a wounded heart. I want you to think about like the Braveheart movie. Come on, guys, with me, Braveheart, best movie ever made. Oh, yep, yeah. that was weak, man, just so you know. Anyway, so here's the thing. Braveheart, and back in the day, uh, William Wallace, when we think about warfare, that was hand-to-hand, I mean, that was face-to-face. I mean, they didn't launch missiles for miles away. They got in there with a sword, and you had to get up close and personal. And if you've seen the movie, every time William Wallace came out of a war scene, he was covered in blood and sweat and dirt, and he had cuts and he had scrapes, and, and, and he was injured. Or, or I mean, just everything was always like that. And if you can imagine... With me, you're watching the movie, you're watching Braveheart, and they have this battle where they're in there just swinging their swords and they're fighting and they're doing everything and it's hand-to-hand combat. And and then when it's over, William Wallace walks away and he's covered in all this blood and this sweat and the dirt and he's got the cuts and he's got the scrapes and there's somebody walking beside him and and he doesn't have a scratch. And he doesn't have a spot of blood. And you would say, somebody making this movie messed up. And you need to understand the same thing. There is no way that you live on planet Earth with sinful human beings in everyday hand to hand combat and think that you've walked away without a scratch. We all have wounded hearts. We all need healed hearts. So, because of that, let's talk about how to get them healed. The good news is, we're in good company. Uh, We're going to talk about the same person we talked about last week, King David. King David uh, was, was one of the people who had the most special relationship with God. I think it's safe for us to say that. Not many humans have ever had the kind of relationship that he had. God said of him, he has a heart just like mine. He's a man after my heart. And sadly, even though that's true, he spent most of his life with a wounded heart. And he wrote most of it down for us, which is great because it encourages us and makes us feel like we're not alone. And so I want to walk you through just one of the times that he was talking about what he is feeling inside and how that makes him want to see the world and process things and and, and how to to fix that. It's in Psalm 31. You can turn with me or you can just uh, read the screen because it's right behind me here. Verse 9 is where we'll start. And so David's just pouring out his heart to God. He says, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I'm in distress And my eye is wasted from grief and my soul and my body also for my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. I mean, he knows what it feels like to get to the point that you've literally lost your strength, that physically you've you've experienced such an emotional hurt that physically you begin to feel that pain. Come on, somebody knows what I'm talking about. Your heart's been broken so bad your body doesn't even want to take the next step. And he says, because of all my adversaries, I've become a reproach, especially to my neighbors and an object of dread to my acquaintances, to those who see me in the street. They flee from me. What? He knows what it's like to have enemies who mess up his life, who turn other people against him to destroy his relationship, his reputation. And you know what's really weird right here? Is he uses the word acquaintances? And if you've ever read anything by David in the Bible, this sounds so undavidish. I mean, come on, are you with me? He is one of the most raw, sincere, blunt people. And to say, my acquaintances. But I think what was happening is he's pouring out his heart, to, I can't prove this, but I'm just going to tell you what I think. And, and I do know his story. So when you put his story together with this prayer, I think what he's doing is he's saying, God, I've, I've got enemies and, and they've destroyed my reputation and my... Fr- f- f- no, they're not friends, actually. You know, I thought they were. But they've walked away from me. They flee when I come down the street. Acquaintances, I guess. They know me. I know them. But I'm alone. He says, I've been forgotten like one who is dead. I've become like a broken vessel. For I hear the whisper of many. I hear the whisper." I see when I, I, I look on Facebook and, and there's that person I had a fight with yesterday and they've made this anonymous post. No, they didn't use my name, but you can tell they're talking about me. They're making some declaration about how they're more righteous than I am and they would have done something better and they're appalled at me. And I know who they're talking about when I see that. And then worse, the, the, the other person that doesn't like me, they commented on that and they said how awesome uh, that was and how insightful it was. I know the two of them talked on the phone about me. I know what it's like. I turn the corner and I see those two people that are always out to get me. They were just talking. Suddenly, when I walk down the hall, the conversation stops. I know people are whispering. I hear the whispering of many terror on every side as they scheme together against me as they plot to take my life. In another psalm, we won't turn there, but David, he he knows what it's like to feel like God's not even on your side. He began that psalm with saying, how long, O Lord? How long will you forget me forever? Is there ever a time? How long will you hide your face from me? I'm crying out to you. Where are you? And it's in this very prayer that David is pouring out his heart. You see, here's what we need to understand. David knows what you and I have been through. Anything and everything you've ever felt, David has felt. I mean, just, just to give you a little bit of a survey of his life, he was given a great dream for his life by God. He didn't make it up. And that's one thing you make up a dream that is just not what God has for you. That's like me just coming in one Sunday and saying, hey, everybody, I'm just going to go join the NBA. I mean, I'm 5'5 five five and can't hit a target with it. <laughs> it's not good. But no, no, God came to him and said, you will be king. And then everything went wrong. It seemed like God had changed his mind. Decades went by. The current king tried to kill him. Nothing happened the way he thought it was going to happen. Seems like even God had abandoned him. At least that's what he said he felt. His wife rejected him for doing something godly. Has your heart ever been hurt by someone for standing up for God? His daughter was sexually abused. That should hurt. But he found out his son did it. That had to hurt. Many men, almost every man he knew turned on him, most of them to try and kill him physically. The closest to him betrayed him. His very leaders, his right hand people defied his orders and when they did it cost him the life of his son. He knows loss, betrayal, disillusionment with people, disillusionment with God, feeling unloved, sorrow, slander, despair, grief. He knows it all. We'd have to do a whole series just on his pain to get in all of the words. Whatever you've been through, he knows what it is. And he knows that a wounded heart can't stay wounded because it will destroy us. See, here, here are some things. I just want to give you a couple of things that I've, I've learned in pastoring people as, as well as what we see in Scripture uh, that a wounded heart will cause us to do. The first one is a wounded heart will cause us to question God. We will begin to challenge him because we look at the circumstance around us. We look at what happened and we will either blame God for that person being in our lives. God, why did you give me a husband who would do that to me? God, why did you give me a a wife that will do that to me? God, why did you give me parents that treat me that way? Why did you and we'll, we'll just we'll blame him for the people or we'll blame him for the event. God, why didn't you stop that? Why did you let that happen? God, why did you do this? Now, here's the thing. David knows what it's like to feel that. And he voiced that just like you and I do. And that's okay. But I want you to catch one really important difference here. David always went to God and said, God, here's how I kind of feel about you right now. He was always very honest because, by the way, you can't lie to God. Do you guys know that? See, God already knows what's in your heart even before you tell him. So it's actually a good thing to tell God what you feel about God. But the biggest difference between David and most of us is that wasn't his version of truth. It becomes our version of truth. We decide God's not good. David said, God, I feel like you're not good, but I know you are. That's where he always landed. God, I'm gonna tell you how disappointed I am and how frustrated I am with you right now, but I know you love me. And I just wanna encourage you, it is okay To to tell God what you feel. Matter of fact, you should. Because again, he already knows. And you should might as well go ahead and have a conversation with him. Let's go ahead and get it out on the table. But the difference is when you finish talking and confessing and just exploding all of that, that you say, but I trust you. Because I know. I know you've got good for me. The second thing a wounded heart will always do is self-protect. And I'm just going to do a real quick out caveat here for some of you, self-protection in, in what I'm about to say is not the same as when you put healthy boundaries around you from a toxic person or a toxic situation. There is wisdom and boundaries are good. I'm not talking about that. That's another sermon. That's another day. What I'm talking about is not healthy boundaries. I'm talking about a wound that causes us to build walls because our perception is skewed. Through the wounding. We, we aren't sure if we can trust anyone. And we aren't sure if we can trust God anymore. We can't trust people. We can't trust God. We can only trust ourselves. So we build all of these little walls around us because we swear nobody was ever going to get in again that will attack me. Well, I want you to imagine a war analogy. If you build a wall around you to make sure no soldier with a sword can ever stab you again, you also need to know the doctor can't get in either. You see, if you build a wall between you and everybody else, not only can the hurters not get to you, but the healers can't either. And if you build a wall between you and God, then he can't touch that hurt in your heart either. And then, you know, when you get into self-protecting, you ever heard the saying that a great defense is a great offense? Or did I get that backwards? You get the point. And so what we tend to do when we have a hurt heart and we go into protection mode is we stab back and we stab back fast. And we're we're good. And so we actually start wounding others as we fight back. Third thing that we end up doing is that we see incorrectly. Can I have my glasses that I left there? I'm sorry. I normally don't bring them up here because I normally don't need them. But see, what happens is, is we see most things and most people with the wrong perspective. And the way that we are hurt and the way that we see people, we start to see through a filter and everything changes. And so something funny happened to me recently. I got older. Young people, your day's coming. And my eye doctor said, how are you seeing up close? And I said, great. He said, that'll change. And I said, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. (laughs) Apparently, my rebukes are not very powerful. So I wear these now to see up close. If I need to look at the Bible, I have to have these on because because that doesn't work any other way. Uh, there's a problem. If I want to read something close to me, I've got to have these on. But here's the problem. If I use these for everything else, I don't know what's going on. My wife is right there, but I can't tell you that's who she is right now with these on. You see, when we start to see through something, we see everyone incorrectly. And we see everything incorrectly. And we have to begin to make up a new definition of truth. You see, here's the beautiful thing about using iPads to preach. You can make the font any size you need it. So you don't need these things. But because I've adjusted the font like this, if I put this filter back on, I'm going to have to make this up because I don't know what's there anymore. And when you start living your life through a filter with a wound, you have to make up your own version of reality. You have to make up your own version of truth. You begin to make up your own version of, why did they do that? You know, I know why they did that. And you begin to put things on other people. You begin to think that that your filter gives you like supernatural eyesight into their hearts. And you begin to say, they did that because because you're so wounded. And you can't see people for who they are anymore. No matter how close they are to you, you, you can't see them accurately. They just become blurry. And the fourth thing, that our wounded heart will cause us to do is to react irrationally. I've asked Matt to share a story with you guys about how we can react irrationally. Thank you, buddy. I sure appreciate you doing this. You are a great man. Hey, before Matt shares with you, I just want to tell you guys a little something no! about Matt. What are you doing, dude? Man, just skip your story. You go away. Y'all don't even need me to explain that, do you? No, he didn't have a story to tell. See. Here's the thing. When I touch him with my hand to give him a high five, it didn't bother him. When I touch him with my hand to give him a fist bump, it didn't bother him. But when I touch my shoulder, he totally flips out. So we can assume maybe he's got a sunburn, maybe he had shoulder surgery yesterday, I don't know. But you see, what we do wrong when we have a wounded heart is we say, "How dare you touch me. But it wasn't the touch. See, it wasn't the touch. It was what I touched. And when you find people reacting irrationally, just one simple little touch and they flip, it's because you touched a wound. But back up, because today's message is not about the person beside you. See, what happens when you flip out, when you react irrationally, reveals to you a wound in your life. Let me just do something simple, because maybe it'll be a less emotional point for you and it'll help you out. I, I think I'm a very polite and kind person. If somebody is, is rushing for the grocery line together, I slow down and let them go. If there's a mom with kids and stuff in her hand, I'll, I'll let her go around me. Because, I mean, we've had four kids. We, we have four kids. Uh, we still have them. <laughs> <laughs> there are days, you wonder. But anyway, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty I, I will let people go. I'll, I'm always, sure, go ahead, go ahead. I'll hold the door for somebody. I have no problem with somebody getting in front of me. But in traffic, <laughs> I am Mr. Road Rage. If somebody cuts me off, now I do not wave fingers, just so you know, your pastor does not do that, but I might blow my horn. And I've often wondered if I'm blowing my horn at somebody I was preaching at the week before, uh, y'all just going to have to forgive me if I ever blow my horn at you. That means you didn't know how to drive, (laughs) just so you know, it's your (laughs) fault. But seriously, why is it? that I can let people go in front of me and put people first so easily in some areas. But if somebody cuts me off in traffic, I flip out and I'm angry. I don't have the answer yet, in case you're wondering. That's not the point. (laughs) The point is I've recognized that doesn't make sense. I'm reacting irrationally. That's what our wounded hearts cause us to do. I want you to see the beauty of what David understood here. Because David ended... That psalm, as he's crying out, God, I'm in distress. God, I'm in anguish. God, my enemies are after me. My neighbors have abandoned me. My friends are just acquaintances. God, as he says all of that, you know where David ends? He ends with the only possible answer to a wounded heart. The last verse, verse 24 says, Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Wait a minute. You just asked God why he hasn't shown up. Yeah, I know it. I know it. I know. I mean, I'm trying to figure out where God is in this thing. But what I know is only in God is there healing. Only in God is there an answer. It's only in God that your thoughts are will be clear enough to see the truth. You'll never see the truth when you're in your own little world. It's only with God that your desires will be honorable. It's only with God that your right feelings will be validated and your wrong feelings will be healed. And in case you didn't know it, your feelings are not always right. Come on, somebody with me? It amazes me to watch people get into a fight and say, well, what I feel, what I feel, what I feel. I mean, okay, we can express what we feel, but you need to understand some of your feelings aren't right because we're human and this is why he says, wait for God and let your heart go strong. Wait for God. Wait for God. Sit down in his word and say, God, I want to kill somebody right now. I need you to do something. God, I don't, I don't want to try another day of this marriage. I, I need you to do something. Wait for God. God, I, I, I feel really disappointed in this person. I feel really betrayed by this person. And sit down. Open his word. Begin to talk to him. Pray. Spend some time. Just say, God, I need you to change my thought. I need you to change everything. I need you to do something. It's like when you have sick cells in a body. The more that you focus on what has wounded you, the more that the wounding just grows and multiplies. And so if you ever are sick, you've got a virus or something, you've got these things that are attacking, you've got sick cells in your body. And the only way to get healed is when the sick cells become less and the healthy cells become more. And when we we turn to God and focus on God, It is saying, God, I need you to find one of these six cells as I read your word today, as I talk to you today, as I come to you and say, this is how I feel. I need you to reach down and grab one or two or ten of those six cells and take them out, and I need you to put healthy cells back in. I need you to give me hope where I don't have any. I need you to give me truth where I'm skewed. I need you to correct my feelings when they're wrong. David got it. He knows how we feel, but David knows only in God only in god it all starts with god and it all ends with god i want to show you something really cool about this jesus familiar guy right he was tempted by the enemy he spent 40 days in the wilderness as satan tempted him he didn't eat spiritual battle back and forth i mean if you can just imagine what that's like that's a different story for another day but as he leaves that as he walks out of the wilderness to begin the three years of ministry that we know him for. He was relatively unknown. He was a boy. He was growing up with his parents. And then he goes and and he gets tempted by the enemy for 40 days. And when he walks out of the wilderness, his ministry begins. And you know the first thing he did? He walks out of that wilderness. He walks into a nearby temple. and, And he opens a scroll. And he makes a declaration about himself. This is who I am. And you know what he read? He read a like hundreds of years old prophecy. I believe about 700 years, if, if I'm correct, if I'm not, I'm sorry, We won't put that on the Internet. About a 700-year-old prophecy of what God had called him to do out of Isaiah. It said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Did you hear that? He has sent me to bind up the broken hearted. Jesus, before he began his ministry, read this and he said, look, my father in heaven knows that your hearts are broken. My father in heaven has watched as the enemy has caused temptation, as he has caused pain, as he has misled you, as your hearts are. My father in heaven has watched as one sinful person has hurt another sinful person and your hearts are crushed. And you need to understand that one of the very core purposes that I was sent to this earth is not just to get you to heaven, but to fix your hearts. Somebody should have said amen to that. One of the reasons, not a byproduct, not an extra. Hey, Jesus, if you could, could you help me with my heart? Yes, he can, because it's the reason. It's not extra. It's not the lagging behind. The very reason, one of the key reasons, his mission statement. You know why I came? To fulfill a prophecy. Hundreds of years old that said, I'm coming to fix your hearts. Your hearts will not be broken. And it's not just about your future. It's about now. I'm here now to bind up the brokenhearted. That's who our Jesus is. That should excite y'all just a little bit more than that. See, God heals supernaturally. My wife and I, you've heard some of our stories about our marriage and and all of the jokes, and it's fun. We love how you guys laugh with us and the struggles we've been through. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest reasons we had so many struggles in our marriage for so long is because we were two of the most broken, wounded people you could have ever met, and somebody put us together, and it was a disaster. You see, we reacted irrationally right? To pretty much anything. Good morning, honey. How dare you say that to me, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, just, You should have been there. And so at a certain point, the people who loved us put us in a, in a, a thing. It wasn't counseling. It wasn't a program, but they, it's a thing where you sit down with somebody and, and you pray through what's broken in your heart. So all you have is some people helping you pray through what's broken. And we spent a week going through what's broken in us and just asking God to fix it. Nothing else, just talking to God, just talking to him. And we came away so different because God heals supernaturally. We came away so different that people who knew us then said, who are you? Not only that, you look like you like each other. It was all because God heals supernaturally. And before we leave today, I'm going to pray for every one of us for God to do something that only God can do that you don't need another person to do. But what I need you to know is not only does God heal supernaturally, God heals naturally. Or maybe another way for you to think of this is God heals supernaturally through natural things. You see, there are simple processes. There are simple obediences. Simple, just do what God has said to do in some cases that heals our hearts. And when we don't do them, it keeps our hearts sick. He said things like, forgive. You see, the truth is, as long as you don't forgive, your heart will never be healed. The longer that you keep unforgiveness in you is like letting those those six cells just multiply as you meditate on them. And we could do a whole series on forgiveness. Every one of these I'm about to say could be a whole series. We don't have time for that. He says, pray for your enemies and love your enemies, because when you're praying for people, your heart changes for them. When you're loving people, even when you think they're unlovable and undeserving of that love your heart changes toward them. He says, bless those who curse you. Southerners, I need to talk to you for a second. And for those of you not from the South, you're about to get an education. You see, in the South here, when we say, well, bless your heart. In case y'all are not from here, we're not actually blessing you. Stop it. That'll change your heart when you stop blessing their heart. Confess your sins. You see, David admitted that part of the problem was his own sins. You have to confess one to another that you'll be healed. And then, I, yeah, I'm going to go where some of you don't want me to go. Last one I'm going to mention, counseling. Counseling. See, here's the thing. If on the way out the door today, you're leaving church, you're on your way to Moe's, and you trip, and you fall, and you break your arm, I don't think any of you would say, ah, I'm not going to go to the doctor. I wouldn't anybody to know I went to a doctor. I think I'll just kind of hold it gently. And as long as nobody touches it, I'll be okay. It'll eventually get No, we'd have no problem saying I broke my arm. Let me go get a doctor to fix it. But we have a serious problem saying someone broke my emotions. I'm going to a doctor for that. Someone broke my, my mental processing the way that I think, I perceive. I think everybody's out to get me. I need to go and talk to someone. Do you know that God has given people a gift to help you with that? There are pastors that are good at that. I'm not one of them. There are, (laughs) I'm honest. There are counselors. There are psychologists. There are psychiatrists. There are great people that God is equipped to understand how our hearts, our our minds, our emotions, and our thinking, how all of that works together, and they are equipped to help us. And we need help. I cannot tell you the number of people that, that just skip this. They just pass it, and they need it. And if I could just rant for a minute, I'm just going to tell you. It's just kind of like unholy and off my book. Just just go with me. But I help. I try to help people. And, and I can only do so much because I'm, I'm a pastor, I'm a leader, I'm a Bible teacher. I'm not a counselor. That's not my training. That's not where I'm really good. And so I'll meet with people, and this has happened so many times, I have truly lost count of it. And they'll sit in my office, I'll say, you know what, I, I know someone that could really help you with that. I know a really good counselor, or I know a good whatever, and, and you need some help here, and I know who could get you that help, and let me help you get that help. And then they won't do it because. And you know, one of the main reasons, I, I've had people do this. I've even had people annoy me. Like, you said you'd get me that information. You didn't get it to me today. When are you going to get that information? I need that counselor's number. I need that number. I need that number. And and then I followed up with this person a couple weeks later. So how did it go? Did you connect with them? No, I I called and found out they don't take insurance. Really? You're okay with a broken soul the rest of your life because your insurance won't pay for it? If somebody came to you right now and said, in 48 hours... Both of your lungs will collapse, and you will not be able to breathe. You will be dead within 30 seconds if you don't get a surgery. And by the way, your insurance doesn't cover it. I'm pretty sure you'd figure that out. I'm pretty sure you would beg. You'd borrow. You could get to the point of stealing. You'd take out four visas. You'd do whatever it took because you are not going to let your body die. So why do we let our hearts die? And why do we say, I've had people tell me this, well, you know, we, don't, we, don't, we can't afford to get counseling. And then I'll watch them go to Disney and fight out of their wounded hearts with everybody with them. You know what? Your family would have much rather you stayed home from Disney and gotten some help. They will like you better. Truth is, if you've tuned out or if I've lost you, this is my whole point today. Hear this and, and you've got the whole message. A healed and whole heart is quite possibly the most important thing a human can have for success in life. I believe it, so I'm going to say it again. A healed and whole heart is quite possibly the most important thing a human can have for success in life. And I'm going to tell you why. The degree of wholeness and the degree of healing will determine your relationships with others, your relationships with God, how you see others, how you see God, and how you see yourself. And because of that, think about this. There's absolutely nothing. Are you hearing me? Nothing that does not fit into one of those. Every action you will ever take, every goal, every idea, every reaction, every thought, every desire, every emotion, every single thing in your life will have something to do with how you see others, how you see God, how you see yourself or your relationships with. them. As long as that's broken, you'll never get there. Here's the truth for you. God wants everything broken in this world to draw us to him. The enemy wants everything broken in this world to draw us away from God. So my question for you is, where will your wounded heart take you? To God or further away? I just want to take a moment. I want to pray for us. I want to give God an opportunity to begin a work in you. If, if you'd like that, just, just join me right where you are. Maybe you want to hold out your hands. Maybe you just want to sit there. You can do whatever you want. I'm just going to pray for all of us right now. God, we, we know that you and you alone are our healer. God, I pray right now for the brokenness that has happened to us because of life on earth because of life with an enemy, because of life with other broken people. I pray right now that you begin to do a supernatural work that only you can do. I believe God wants everywhere that you are lonely, God wants to be the one close to you. For everywhere that you are disappointed, God wants to be faithful. And for everywhere that someone has hurt you, God wants to be the one who heals you. And so I pray that right now for your life. I pray right now that God is close to you, that God is faithful to you, that God heals you, that God touches you. God, you and you alone are our healer and we will not allow our hearts to remain wounded. I pray for healed and hold hearts for every single one of us. And the last thing I want to do is just pray with some of you that have never made Jesus your king. Maybe you've rejected uh, the idea because God has hurt your heart. Uh, Maybe things didn't go the way you thought they should go. Uh, Quite often we reject making God our king because another person who does follow God has hurt our heart. I just want to encourage you right now to do what David did, to let that go. To let that go and say, God, you and you alone, I need you. If you have never made Jesus your king, just pray with me something like this right now. Lord God, I thank you that you died for me. And now I want to live for you. I thank you for your love, your mercy, your forgiveness. I thank you that you not only will take me to heaven, but that you will heal my heart here on earth. And my simple prayer today is that you would give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash me and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.